Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. Hear now the gospel as it comes to us from John chapter 11, verses 17 to 27 and 38 to 44. Hear the word of the Lord. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. But when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me, will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upwards and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound with strips of cloth, his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Holy God, we've gathered here to place our lives in front of your word. No mere mortal words will do. So in these moments, be gracious to our seeking of the voice of your own spirit. This we ask in the name of the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ. Amen. We don't tend to think of Jesus as the kind of guy who had friends. We assume he was just too busy being the Messiah for that kind of thing. But the scriptures make it clear that Jesus did, in fact, have 
personal friends. And among them were Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. We know that Jesus stayed with them in their home when he was in Bethany. We know that he'd had dinner with them more than once. And the 11th chapter of John tells us explicitly that Jesus loved this family. Like Mary and Martha and Lazarus, we're keenly aware that Jesus is the Savior who was dying to love the whole world. But we also want to believe that he's paying attention to our lives, like a friend would. At one point, Jesus says to his disciples, I haven't called you servants, but friends. Yes, that's what we like. Maybe you cherish the old gospel hymn, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. Well, one day, while Jesus was out of town, his friend, Lazarus, became very ill. So the sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Now, I'm sure they were assuming that this Savior, who had already healed so many people whose names he didn't even know, would surely rush back to Bethany to heal this one whom he loved. But Jesus did not hurry back. He tarried where he was, and Lazarus died. Can you imagine the anguish of these two sisters as their brother went from bad to worse, continuing to sink closer and closer to death? What they had already given word to Jesus to come and hurry? How many times did they look down the road to see if the Savior was finally going to get there just in time? And he did not. And then they watched as they took their dead brother Lazarus and put him in a tomb and rolled a stone over the door and still know Jesus. Jesus never hurries. There is no place in the gospel that you ever find Jesus on the run. This is no ordinary friend that you have. He will not be manipulated, he will not be leashed, he will not be hurried, he will not be captured by our agendas. He has his own agenda in our life. We hear so many stories and, and testimonies of a time when someone was facing a great crisis, maybe a crisis in health or, or some other a crisis with work, and, and they prayed and they prayed, and then they said just in time the Savior arrived and everything turned around just in the nick of time. Thanks be to God. Well, I, I believe and cherish those stories. But there are also plenty of stories in Scripture that make it clear that sometimes Jesus prefers to arrive after the nick of time has come and gone. Again, because he has his own mission in our lives. I have been to the place in Bethany 
that tradition has called the tomb of Lazarus. Perhaps some of you have been there as well. It is a cold, dark cave that burrows down deep into the earth. But whether you've been to Israel or not, the chances are great that all of you have spent time in Lazarus' tomb. You enter that tomb on the day you lose interest in your life. Maybe you had a cherished relationship that came unraveled and it was devastating to you to be left alone. Or maybe one day you found yourself standing behind the, beside the, the fresh grave of someone that you had loved and cherished for so many years, and now you do not know how you will go on without this person, and frankly, you have no interest in going on without this person. Or maybe one day you're driving home from the doctor, and it occurs to you that for the rest of your life, your health problems are going to be chronic at best. Or maybe you had a dream that motivated you. It's why you went to school. It's what you were pursuing vocationally. You threw all your energy into this dream, and then one day it just crashed on the rocks. And you looked in your soul and you realized you, you don't have it in you to dream again. Oh, you prayed about these things. You ask for Jesus to come, please hurry, Lord, please hurry. And Jesus didn't hurry. And what you were most afraid of happening, happened. Then, when you're disappointed not only in the circumstances of your life, but you are actually disappointed in the Savior, that's when you pack up your hope and you just make your way down into a tomb. We as a society are also tempted to spend time in Lazarus' tomb. We do that whenever we settle for how it is in our society, when we settle for the injustice around us, when we settle for a society in which homeless mothers spent last night in their cars with their children because it's the only place they had, when we settle for a society in which children are growing up on inner city streets or in distant, forgotten world communities, world communities in poverty, without the opportunities for a future filled with hope. When we settle for a society in which the haves have so much and the have-nots have not a chance, when we settle for that, when we say that's just the way it is, I can't do anything about that, we give up our inherited identity as caretakers of God's garden. We give up the greatest command of all to love God and love our neighbors, and we as a people just make our way down into Lazarus' tomb, and we roll the stone over the door ourselves. But Jesus will not settle. So the text says that when he arrives at this scene of despair around Lazarus' tomb, into which people had settled, he is greatly disturbed. And so he says, take away the stone. Take away the stone. 
Why have you grown accustomed to this? It's time to, to come back to hope. Take away the stone. But Martha says to him, Lord, Lord, he's, he's been dead four days. There will be a stench. Martha is such a Presbyterian. <laughs> Lord, this is just death. Get real. This is loss. It stinks. But we all know about this. Right. The ancients were very, very familiar with death. They lived around it all the time. In fact, we all used to, until very recent days, we were constantly surrounded by death. My grandmother talked about death frequently. She watched her grandparents die in her home. She watched her parents die in her home. She watched one of her siblings die in her home. When I would visit her, the conversation was frequently about death and dying. She would never talk about sex. <laughs> By contrast, today, <laughs> we can't seem to stop talking about sex, but try to get a good conversation going about death and loss. We don't talk about it because we don't like it, but it's not because we don't know about it. That's why we try to hide it, but we know it all too well. What the Savior wants us to know is about the life that follows death. That's Jesus' mission in this story and in the story of your life. The story of death is not the last word. And so he stands and says, take away this stone. But notice what happens next. Notice that Jesus does not go down into Lazarus' tomb. Now, that's what we would prefer when we're in the tomb. We want Jesus to climb down into this tomb with us. We want him to comfort us in the tomb. We want him to give us company. We want him to tell us that we were right and they were wrong. We want him to legitimize our victimization. We want him to sanctify the fact that we were done wrong. We want him to redecorate the tomb. But Jesus has no interest in doing that. He, Jesus doesn't like tombs. He didn't spend much time in his own tomb. He's, he's not going into yours. <laughs> he has no interest in sanctifying despair. So instead, he stands outside the tomb, and in a loud voice, he cries out to you and says, Lazarus, come out. Come out of your grief. It was supposed to be a long, hard journey. It was never supposed to be your soulmate. Come out of your fear. Come out of your cynicism and your comfortable despair. Come out of your complaining. Aren't you tired of that? We are. This is a place of death. Why would you settle into this? Why would you respond to your life that's turned out to be vaguely dissatisfying with just comfortable distractions? It's a place of death. Come out and come back into a life in which you can inherit holy and sacred dreams that are worthy of your fleeting years. Come out. 
And the man came out, all bound up in wraps of cloth. Jesus said to those who were around him, unbind him and let him go. As I read this text, bringing people back to life is the sole responsibility of the Savior. But the community around this person also has their own mission. And that mission is to unbind people, to free them, to inherit the new life that Jesus was dying to provide them. You're the kind of person who comes to church on Sunday mornings. That that means you, you care about God's holy purposes and mission for your life. That's why you're here, to be reminded and renewed in that vision. Well, here it is. It is the mission to unbind those around us. We live in a society that is all bound up in things like systemic racism and poverty and exclusion and harassment. And the reason that we bind each other up into these things is because we have learned to be afraid ourselves. We have listened to too long to the voices from those from the left and the right who tell us to be very afraid of the mythical them who are to blame for our problems. Look out for them, we hear. They're not like you. They don't belong here. They're going to take something away from you. Be very, very afraid of them. And out of fear for them, we're not liberating each other. We're binding each other. We're losing the church's exquisite message of coming back to life. Let at least the church in our society be clear about this. Let this be our reputation in society, that that those around the church say, well, at least the church believes. At least the church still has a vision for all of the people, a vision that can unbind us, that can free us by a compelling common vision for life together, a church that still believes this because we believe that there is a Savior who gives new life, who is not done, and that the last sentences of the story have not been written when there is a Savior standing at the door of the tomb saying, come forth. Let that be the church's message. But it cannot be our message if the church itself is still in the tomb. The hurt that you received, the disappointment, the injustice of it all, was great. I know. Jesus knows. But that Savior has already rolled back the stone in front of the door. The Savior is standing at the door of the tomb now and is calling for you to to come forth. Don't you want that new life? Isn't it time to accept the invitation to leave the tomb behind and to inherit your holy and sacred purpose of unbinding people. In the name of the Father, 
Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.